What did it mean to be a couple in medical school? Why does one change their path to line up with someone else's path? How do you manage a year apart during medical school? And what does organized chaos look like during fourth year? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Antigone and Ira, a successful couples match and recent graduates here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Okay, well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I have two super great guests today, Antigone and Ira. Hello. 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 Thank you for coming. Uh, fourth year medical students, soon to graduate. Woo! <laughs> All right, so we're going to start back in the beginning. Um, let's get it all the way first. How did you two meet? Well, that depends on who you ask. I'm asking you right now, Antigone. Well, I know, but we have different versions of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere is the truth. Somewhere is the truth, yes. So we first met during my interview at the U. Really? Um, yes, Ira was the second year tour guide mm. during that day, so he took us on a tour, um, and we met that day, but... Then we didn't meet again until I came for a second look day, and um, I brought my very Greek mother with me, or rather my very Greek mother wanted to come with me, mm-hmm. and she met Ira, and he was our tour guide again mm. that day, and my mom thought he was like the cutest thing and asked him all of the questions about medical school. Had you told your mom about him ahead of time? No. Or was this like completely independent assessment? No, it was totally okay. in- independent because I hadn't seen him since February when okay. I interviewed and now it was May or April. Um, and But she asked him a million questions and sat next to him on the bus and I sat about eight rows behind them on the bus and then promised to never interact with him again Mm. and then i think we met one more time during orientation week um well you're hitting all the data points here it's great (laughs) building towards something yes yes and he we just talked about med school and he told me that if i ever needed help with anything i could reach out Mm. and then after the first week or so of school i had just done horribly on my first foundations test and i saw ira in the english uh, hub, the England hub, whatever the, the little cafeteria, cafeteria yeah, downstairs yeah. is, and he told me I looked like I needed a drink. Mm. Um, and then we went out for drinks like a month later, but that's <laughs> how we met. And then after we met for drinks, it sort of just here we are. We're just, getting married. It just happened. It just happened. Okay, so that's version A. That's Ira, my what's, version. What's, what's version B? <laughs> version B is that I mean it's it's the same time frame as version A. Mm-hmm. So, of course, during the tour, but um, as... So you, you remember her, yeah. her interview day? Well, no. no. Well, okay. So, that's, so <laughs> as, you can, as you can glean from this, I, in my first year of medical school, volunteered for a lot of the tours and... Um, You're very active. Very in, active yeah. in the in the admissions yes. and the administration and whatnot. And so I was doing them like once a week. And so I saw probably a hundred different applicants mm-hmm. in that first year. And then of course, during second look day, the next like 7,500 people that come to second look day mm-hmm. and toured all of them through. Mm-hmm. 
And then... So you don't remember her from Second Look Day either? Or Orientation. Oh, Orientation. <laughs> so you don't even remember the mom. I remember her mom. You remember her mom more I than her talking herself. to her mom. Oh, wow. Oh, I love doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I was very good at, like, staying in the periphery that yeah, day. Yeah, kind of hiding behind your mom. Yeah, so I was oh, very yeah. good at... at um, I do remember her, her mom and talking to her mom and answering about a trillion questions. Mm-hmm. About medical school and wondering, I wonder who's she's attached to. Yeah, yeah. Here, but, this is a very non-traditional yeah. student in front of me. Yes. <laughs> um, but what I like to tell myself, and what I think really happened, is that after that first tour, that Antigone was totally hooked, and mm. so she was just thinking about me the entire time leading up, and she just kept kept thinking about it and figuring out ways that she could make sure she ended up on my tour and not the other tour. Uh-huh. That's a good approach. Tour. Antigone is very crafty she and is. intelligent like that. She so, is. Yeah. She is. And then um, we finally got to, after her first week, and I remember her sitting on, it was like one of the couches outside of English Hub, and she was just like sitting there staring at the wall with this blank look on her face. This is post-test. Post-test. And that's your first memory of Antigone. And that's my first memory of Antigone. Okay. And just like, totally like, no color in her skin. Mm -hmm. And just... Which is not far off from normal. (laughs) All right, all right. And she was... And I sat down next to her and I was just like, wow, like, it's it's gonna be okay. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, I know that it's a... As as we were always told is that it's like taking a sip of water from a fire hose, and mm-hmm. that becomes real very very quickly. Yeah, yeah. The the tests are very hard, yeah. and medical school is hard. It's like so much information, short amount of time. Yeah. So all right, so you get together. What did it mean to be a couple in medical school? I mean, how did that help? Well, how did it define your relationship? Well, it was interesting because. Antigone's father is also one of our clinical instructors. Oh, boy. We're going deep now. All right. Yeah. (laughs) And so I spent the first six months to a year of our relationship. Was he your clinical instructor? Yes. He was? I did not know that. He wasn't my CMC instructor. Oh, okay. He was. He he taught classes in front of the whole class. And he would randomly grade you on He didn't know who I was. Okay. And so I, I... spent the first six months to a year without him actually knowing who I was, but within the class. Mm -hmm. And then one day when Antigone was actually talking to him in the hallway, I turned and walked down the hallway and I saw them both and I tried to dodge behind one of the pillars and she grabbed me and pulled me out and I was like, by the way, this is my boyfriend, Ira. Mm. <laughs> so I guess you had not gone home and met the parents at, no, to this point. Okay. No. All right. No, but I think that one of the things that was really nice overall about being a couple in medical school actually was the fact that we were one year apart mm-hmm. because we didn't have the same stress cycles. Yes. So when one person was really stressed, the other could be the supportive one. And when the other person was really stressed, we could flip-flop. And so that really, I think, actually helped our relationship a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I never really planned on dating anyone in medical school, but it was it's always been really nice that I never have had to explain anything to Ira. Mm-hmm. Like, we've had so many dates that have been pushed back by hours or have had to cancel, and we've had parties and events that one of us have been unable to come to because of our 
time commitment to school and we've never had to explain that to each other and we've never had to worry about our partner being upset with us um and that's really nice to have somebody who gets what you're going through and is supportive of what you're doing um and there are dates in the hospital cafeteria. Yes, and we've we've dates in the hospital yes, cafeteria. Yes, so we've learned to be very flexible. We have had dates at primary children's before I started a night shift. We've met at Starbucks in the University of Utah. We've really just had to learn how to be adaptable mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, but it's been great. That's great. Yeah. All right. So your different years, mm-hmm. and I know there was a decision made to have Ira step off and do something else. So yeah. walk us through that. Were you thinking that before yeah. you ever met Antigone, or did it kind of speed up that decision? Or So I've told Antigone this a couple of times, but I actually view that decision as probably the biggest moment in our relationship. Mm. And that was because it, ha- it, was, it was something I was not thinking about at all before. And it was the beginning of my third year, and the application for this program called the Medical Research Scholars Program um, at the National Institutes of Health was was something that I had just heard about, and and the decision came in, in early early September, and mm-hmm. it was, am I really going to? derail the path that I'm taking right now to line up with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that in every relationship some you ask yourself at some point, um, and you know it's the right person when the answer to that is very clearly yes. And so, yeah, and it, it almost, again, I, while I view it as a really big decision, it was a very easy decision. It was one of those where I just... Like, yep, this is the right thing to do. So I actually applied to that, and I applied to another one at Rockefeller University Mm -hmm. and another one at University of Buffalo called the Sarnoff. Mm. Um, And so through that, I ended up getting multiple options and chose to go to the NIH. So we're talking leaving from medical school for a year to pursue research. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and it was really incredible. Like... Like, I think that as far as us as a couple, it was a very, obviously a very challenging year Mm -hmm. to do a year of long distance, but we did have an end in sight and we knew that when we got back, it would be better because we would be lined up. We're going to be graduating Mm -hmm. together. We're both going to be able to participate in the match together. So a bunch of questions are in my mind. So did you ever explore sticking around here and doing a year of research here? Was that even on the table? That was absolutely, that was... I, I hate to say it this way, but that was 100% the contingency plan. Okay. Um, some of these research fellowships are extremely competitive mm-hmm. and because they're fully funded. Um, and so I had actually already reached out to a previous mentor that I had here who said that he would welcome me back in his lab if I needed the time. All right, great. And then when you apply, do you apply to the program or do you apply to a specific lab? I mean, did you know what you'll be doing before you went to these places? So it depends. Okay. So some of them, you reach out and contact a principal investigator at that institution. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have like a Skype interview with that yeah. principal investigator. And then if they said that they would sponsor me, mm-hmm. they would put in an application with me. For and so that for the the scholarship or the fellowship and so that's like how the Howard Hughes 
Medical Institute ones go. That's mm-hmm. how the Rockefeller University ones went. And and for those, I literally completely like cold called the people. Mm-hmm. Oh, you have a cool website. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. sound really nice online. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Completely yeah. cold called. Yeah. And um, how's that work when you're in medical school? Does that work a little bit more so, successful as opposed to a, the, the pre med life or? I would say when you say cold again, call, you mean cold email? Yeah, right? cold okay. email. Yeah, yeah. Right. but I, I would say that it it's a plus and minus because mm-hmm. I think that um, ultimately what you have to show, whether you're a pre med or in med school, is a genuine interest, mm-hmm. and I think nobody wants to work with somebody that's doing it that's doing the work for ulterior motives, and so. Lucky for me, I'm really interested in research, and I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And so that's an easy thing for me, because I, I get invested in projects, and I, I really enjoy them. Um, and so I think that what they're really looking for is somebody that, that's actually going to contribute to their group in the same way that they're going to give you by teaching you and taking you under their wing. Um, so, I, I mean, it worked. It was worked completely fine, I guess. Everybody replied. And, yeah. Everyone said, oh, you're hired. We want you. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yes. So what, what, what'd you do for a year? What was your but then So then the medical, the NIH program is completely different. Oh, so right. you apply to the program mm-hmm. and, and I think that actually this is the, just kind of the coolest you? thing. No, oh. you get to choose. So oh, you spend really? the first two weeks there interviewing with one of the 2,000 investigators at Ooh, the NIH. It's like a buffet. Choosing mm-hmm. which lab. And you're funded. So you're you're very wanted, not for your skills and research, but mm. because you come with money. Mm. So, oh, so it's like the like the roles are flipped. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's an incredible experience. So people are just, oh, they're just salivating to have you in the lab. <laughs> you, they get your awesome money. personality <laughs> and research skills, but you come with some money too. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so, and what was this program called again? The medical scholar. No, God, I gotta remember. MRSP. MRSP. Yeah, medical research scholars program. Okay. <laughs> is it open only to medical students, or is it medical, dental, and veterinary? Students. Okay. All right. Yeah, um, and they they want students that are coming between their third and fourth year. So okay. they want students that have had the clinical experience, mm-hmm. so that they can they can choose what research projects to do based on their clinical experience and what they've observed clinically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up doing a project um, in the pediatric oncology branch, mm-hmm. working with an investigator um, on a clinical trial for um, a drug called vendetinib mm-hmm. that was that's used for patients with a disease called multiple endocrine neoplasia 2. And nodding my head like I understand what that is. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, pediatric cancer, yeah. and I guess you're just looking at the efficacy of this drug, side effects, yeah. things like that. Yeah, so we yeah. looked at, I, I got to learn how to do all these analysis techniques and look at, look at like, landmark analysis and I, all these complicated stats, and mm-hmm. and they, they taught me how to do it, which was really, really cool. And so I looked at the 10-year outcomes of this clinical trial. Mm-hmm. And then the other part that I absolutely loved was I got, I got the chance to try my hand at some genome sequencing. Mm-hmm. And so I got to learn about how next-generation sequencing works. Mm. And really importantly, with the National Institutes of Health, it's how it works and how it applies to the clinic. So they're really, they have a protocol there where they're enrolling every single child that comes through to get their whole genome sequenced. 
And so to learn how that information interacts with patient care and, and actually helps guide patients, especially patients with cancer, through their treatment options and, and going forward is, was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Sounds really cool. All right, so yeah. you're back there in D.C., great yep. place to live. You're there for the entire year, in between the third and fourth year. Yep. So that means, Antigone, you're on your third year. Yes. So walk us through that year. Uh, did you just go ahead and buy, like, 20 plane flights? <laughs> did Ira end up coming more back to Salt Lake? Did you go more back to CC, uh, D.C.? How did you guys work that? So I think we saw each other about once every three months when you average it out. Okay. Um when Ira first got the MRSP, we thought we were going to be able to see each other a lot more often than we ended up being able to do just because of my third year. Mm-hmm. Um, in third year, you're definitely not in charge of your schedule. Yep. Um, and Ira also had like work hour requirements that he was supposed to do for the program. So he left um, in August. And the next time I saw him was in October. When I flew out to go visit, mm-hmm. then he came home for like Christmas. A yeah, I went for thirty hours. Like I got there on a Friday night and I left on Sunday morning. But otherwise, we weren't going to get to see each other until Christmas. And did you throw in some DC sightseeing on top of it, or no? So, for that, that was actually really funny. I made Antigone bike for about thirty miles when she got there, and we went and saw all the national monuments. Yes. And That's the way to do it, is by bike. Yeah. yeah. If you go by car, no. parking and traffic is... Um, really and then, of course, I was living about 10 miles away from where the National Monuments were. Mm-hmm. So, rather than letting us take the subway down, we biked. Yeah. So, I've we done biked that all the way it's down. Gorgeous. And we, yeah. it, it was People it was playing stunningly. softball right there. Yeah. Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. Yeah. Great. It, was, it was fantastic. Uh, we have a great picture on Instagram of Antigone face down on the couch after getting back from her 30-mile bike ride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did she? Did he surprise you with this, or did you know you were going to go on a 30-mile bike ride? <laughs> so Ira's very... You said I was crafty, but Ira is also very crafty. Okay. Um, and he asked me if I thought it would be fun to bike around the monuments, and I said, sure, that sounds great. And he was like, okay, well, we'll bike there, and it's just down the hill. Mm-hmm. But he didn't mention that it was... 10 miles mm-hmm. down the hill. Um, so, no, I did not know what I was in for, but yeah. I've gotten used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, dating Ira Craft, I, <laughs> I now know to expect the unexpected. Which could include a 30-mile bike ride. Yes, it can include anything. All right, so let's step back a bit. All right, so before medical school, if I'd asked both of you what you wanted to go into, what would you have told me? And then when did you up and what did you end up choosing and why? Um, I probably would have said I would be a pediatrician okay. because I've always loved working with kids. Um, but I was the medical student that loved everything in third year, and I would call Ira after every rotation except one and say, "I'm going to do this. I love this." Um. So it was hard for me to decide, and I still, even when I had committed to pediatrics, I still sort of went back and forth between a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I could have easily seen myself going into OB or internal medicine. So why pediatrics? What attracted you to that field? I think I just like 
who I am on pediatrics the most. I think my personality, there are parts of my personality that really fit with a lot of different specialties. Um, Like, I love working with my hands, which is why I loved OB. I loved working with child psych at uni because I used to work there. I remember those days. And I love, yes. And I love those kids. And I could still work in behavioral health going into pediatrics, but I just think that the person that I am when I work with kids is the person that I want to be the most. And for me, working with kids, I I have to think about what I want to do, not just now, but in 30 years when I really, really don't want to get up in the morning or when I have, like, other things going on in my life. And for me, I will always, always get up out of bed, leave whatever I'm doing if a child needs help. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, thank you. I was an English major. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ira. What? What if before med school? What do you? What were you thinking of becoming? I was thinking of becoming a doctor. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you found and the medical school. That's and good. to be completely honest, I don't think I knew what a doctor did until third year of medical school. Hmm. But that being said, I think that one of the really cool things that happens at the beginning of your first year at University of Utah is is there's lunch talks every couple of weeks, or every day of the first couple of weeks from different specialties. And during those lunch talks, essentially the residency directors from the University of Utah come in and tell you about their specialty. And one of the individuals who came in had me hooked right away and that was Dr. Lamb Mm. who gave a talk about a specialty that I didn't even know existed called that was a combined internal medicine and pediatrics like the whole it's like the whole existence yeah from birth to death yes yeah the whole thing and and what I liked about it and what really I think she sold me on was that you see both sides from a slightly different perspective. Mm -hmm. And so you approach adult medicine, for example, when you're rounding and you say, you know, maybe this would, this situation might work better with family center rounds, which is something that's very common in pediatrics. And then on the pediatrics side, like another, another example would be you see in a teenager that has high blood pressure and you say, you know, maybe the adult treatment regimen might actually fit this patient better than a pediatric workup. Hmm. And so being able to sort of learn that flexibility um, was what really got me. But of course, I stayed open to everything similar to Antigone, a little bit less so in the fact that I don't think I loved everything to the same extent that she did, Hmm. but I just kept coming back to to med peds and and that was always the thing that that I'd find and be like well med peds is a little bit better than that yep med peds is a little bit better for me than that so when you did your rotations in internal medicine and pediatrics did you like them both equally or um I would say no I think that first of all the pediatrics rotation at the University of Utah is is absolutely outstanding and is done in a way where I'm sure you've heard about this on other podcasts, but there's a team called the Glasgow team that's med student run. And, and you really, you feel like you are the primary provider of a patient 
as early as the beginning of your third year of medical school because you are dictating the treatment for those patients. With supervision. With supervision. <laughs> yes. um, absolutely. But the med students are not doing everything on no, their own. No, no, yes. no, no. But it's it's such a time for growth and and it o- really ownership. embodies and yeah. ownership and yeah. it really embodies, at least for me it embodied the reason why I went to medical school. Mm-hmm. And so it it's an incredible experience. And so that plus of course I had some experience in a research lab in internal medicine, so I knew that I liked the medicine and I knew that I liked the research. And then actually again going back to that NIH program is that was another thing that completely drove home MedPeds for me. And that was the idea of being able to write clinical trials for both adults and kids. Mm. And when I was at the NIH, there was one investigator in the pediatric oncology branch who was MedPeds trained. And so she had to be an investigator on every trial that included patients that were both adults and kids so that they could get... um, IRB approved to run that trial because so they could have an internal medicine doctor essentially on the trial or they would collaborate across. Hmm. And so the idea to be able to do that without limitations and knowing that I want a career in research was like completely like ended it for me and I I knew that MedPeds was it. Awesome. Okay. So combined medicine pediatrics 4 years Four years. And then pediatrics, three years. You mm-hmm. guys have made up your mind. Mm-hmm. Walk me through fourth year. What was your strategy? What did you start doing? <laughs> How did that work? And did someone in the relationship have like the Excel spreadsheet? And was someone master of the money? And how did that work? Well... I don't. It didn't. Yeah. Um, I wish. We or is could, it just organized chaos? Yes. I wish we could tell you that we had this amazingly streamlined system and walked through all of this application process smoothly, but we did not. Okay. Um, we applied to every applied to every MedPeds program. How many are there? Seventy-seven. Woo. And, and so then with the geographical pediatrics matches, I com- I applied to 94. 94 and 96. Those struck yeah. me as very, very high numbers. Yes. I'm going to go on high. a limb here. I bet you got way too many interview offers. We did, and we also went to way too many interviews, and now we are broke. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's talk through this. This yeah. is for the, the benefit of the rising generations. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what would you have done different, and, or would you have done anything different? I think I think we sort of I don't know if panicked is the right word, but we're sort of wired at the beginning and every offer that came in we took and we planned to go to and a lot of the schools that we really wanted to go to, we didn't end up getting interview offers until a little bit later mm. in the season. So I think just being a little bit more patient would have worked. Yeah. Um I also think that we scheduled interviews very poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, what we, our thought process was that we would schedule our, and doing air quotes here, backup programs mm-hmm. were, we scheduled at the beginning of interview season, thinking that that would give us some practice. And then the programs that we were really excited about and really wanted to go to, we scheduled in January. You'd be smooth and suave. And so we'd be like ready to go. But really what happened is that we were just exhausted because we had already gone on 20 interviews. Yep. Yeah. And so 
I think that if we could do it again, I know that I, what I would do is almost flip that, mm-hmm. is put those programs at the end so that you can actually want, you can actually cancel them afterwards. Or, I mean, once other ones come in of places that you want to go to. Um, we also had a hard time saying no, like canceling interviews was yeah. really hard for us. But I also think... Um, what I would tell the incoming generations of medical students is not to put yourself in a box about places that you think you want to go because Mm -hmm. we worked ourselves up to have one sort of dream school or school that we really thought we were going to end up going to and I went and did an away rotation there and we invested a lot of time and energy into that school and we didn't like it Mm -hmm. and the school that we are going to was not even on our radar at the beginning of all this. Why didn't you like that unnamed location? The people. Okay. Yeah. I think everybody tells you that residency is about fit. Mm-hmm. And, like, finding a program, it truly is a match and it's about fit. And I don't think any medical student truly believes that mm-hmm. until after they go through the process. And then every medical student believes that. Mm-hmm. You've seen one residency program. You've seen one residency program, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. And so I think that that it was really hard. Like, I I would still personally go on as many interviews as we did and be as broke as we are right now. Antigone, maybe not quite so many. But I got the feeling that I didn't know what a place was like from their website. Yes. And from researching everything I could online, and I still didn't know what a place was like. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was equally as helpful to show up at an interview dinner and within 15 minutes say, I don't really want to go here, mm-hmm. then it was to be like, wow, this place would be interesting. So, so It's about culture yeah. and teamwork. And, and there were those places. The that, educational environment, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were those places that 15 minutes in, I was like, yeah, this, this place just it doesn't fit me. Mm-hmm. I would like to order another steak. <laughs> <laughs> Less than 15 minutes sometimes. Yeah. So, oh, all right, let's, I'm just curious on the numbers. So how many interviews did you each end up going on? I went on 24. And I went on 26. Okay. That's a lot. It was a lot. And it felt a lot. And this is spaced out over... Three months. Three months. Okay. Yeah. Um, was there any coordination between the two programs? I mean, were you ever interviewing in the same time in the same city? Or are you just guys crisscrossing the nation like two I think three. planes in the night? Yeah, I uh, think three times we interviewed together. Was that... Better or more stressful, or is it just eh? It was nice. Okay. It, it was, was really nice, because okay. we hadn't seen each other for a month, and okay. we both meet in some city that we'd never been at before, and spend, like, three days there and explore the city a little bit. Did you ever decide to play mind games with people in the interview? Like, like pretend not know each other? And then we just, talked about that. Just, like, start to hit it off, and then you're holding hands midway through the day? Oh my gosh, we talked about doing that, but okay. then whenever we would plan to do that, we would... Not we thought we would be together on the interview a lot of the day because medpeds and peds overlap, but mm-hmm. we were never together enough to be able to work that out. But we wanted to, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but it was really nice. It was nice to go to dinners together mm-hmm. because we could get two sort of different perspectives yeah. on what was going on. Yeah, and that's to that same sort of thought. I think that even interviewing at separate times was really nice mm-hmm. because we got to see each program twice. Yeah. Which, yeah, go, go which home was really compare notes, nice. and impressions. Like, yeah, and we both had different things that we were looking for mm-hmm. and looking at specifically. And so we'd come back from one program, and 
I'd be super excited because I'd be like, oh, there's free food at everything, and this is outstanding. <laughs> we need so to go here. Yeah. And then Antigone would come back and be like, oh, but like academically, it doesn't really fit our goals and and whatnot. And so it was great because we both we both kind of saw it through a different lens, and then when we brought it together, we could actually come up with something that really did fit us very well. Well, in every relationship. Uh, there's always negotiation. Mm-hmm. There's always compromise. It's just it's just how it's set up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm just curious to hear. You know, as you started preparing your rank lists, mm-hmm. what were the give and takes? What were the things that were absolutely essential? But what were the things you could say? Oh, you know, that's not as important to me. Hmm. As you talked and compromised with each other. Well, I think that first of all, we had by vast majority. We essentially did like a tier system. Mm. So we had like places we loved after the interview, places we thought were really good after the interview, and places we thought that were good after the interview. And our tiers lined up almost perfectly. So we didn't really have that many challenging moments where we were like, where someone comparing clearly like had a program higher than other twenty. Yeah. Okay. Um. And then, but we did have a lot of, like, choosing between one and two, or two and three, or three and four. Um, But there was, I don't, I think that, for me, a lot of it was the feel. When we were, like, I had, of course, an idea. I wanted free food. I wanted to be able to bike into the program. And I wanted a window in the resident room. Mm Mm-hmm. And they all went out the window real quick. And I was just like, there I just... There are no windows. Yeah. <laughs> there are no windows in resident rooms in any hospital all over the country. That's really beautiful, Harry. I had no idea that that was so important to you. And now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever sat in a resident room with windows. No, no there's not. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. They're all built the same. I've, yeah. I've, I've been in where there's multiple computers and actually some bunk beds and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some, mm-hmm. Yeah. And some closets you hope they're cleaned out every once in a while. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think we both, when we were submitting getting ready to submit our rank list we both independently of each other um felt that our number one program should be our number one program um it was a perfect fit for both of us and us together and I think when it came to making our rank list how we thought we would do it in the beginning didn't really end up being as big of a role like we apply to a ton of places for geographical match options and then we didn't end up liking a lot of places in the same area but also there were places that Ira loved that I didn't love as much or that I thought the PEDS program was a little bit weaker than other places and there were places that I loved that Ira really didn't want to live but when we sat down and looked at the paper and actually looked at the possibility of matching somewhere separately Mm -hmm. We just decided that matching together was better than that, and that we could figure out anything, and that four years of our life wasn't a life sentence, and that it was the most important that we match together. Mm-hmm. And and it was a, it's of course different for every couple, but it was it was a balance for us, and mm-hmm. and I think that um, like on our rank list in at sort of our fifteenth ish mark, um, we we did have us matching at separate programs because they were outstanding big name programs. And and I think that in the end that 
had caused a bit of anxiety mm-hmm. because, again, we... You guys are not going to drop down to your 15th. No, but yeah. when we... And when you really think about it, we were... We wanted to match together. Yeah. And, and again, we, we applied to all these geographical options, and then we made a rank list that was 512 programs long. Wow. And... Wow. And ultimately, that's a plug for how Gary Doctor Stevenson makes this process. <laughs> um, oh my goodness! But in the end, we just realized that we wanted to do it together. And again, it goes back to the same—the decision to take the year off—is mm-hmm. that um, I think that part of it has also made me become a very large proponent. And I've talked to a couple of other couples that are in staggered years mm-hmm. about the importance of matching together as opposed to one people one person following the other person hmm. because i think that we really did find a place that was perfect for both of us mm-hmm. all right so you submit your rank list um and then you know obviously it takes a month to run the computer algorithm obviously because that's mm-hmm. how it works nowadays mm-hmm. <laughs> i was a wreck so uh <laughs> Any second thoughts? Any like, oh my gosh, we didn't certify the list? Oh, yeah. All right. I was freaked out that we didn't click a button, right? Like, I stalked Dr. Stevenson. I sent him screenshots. <laughs> Ira would have to, like, hide my computer from me. Oh, okay. Because I was obsessively checking. I don't... Did we regret what we put? I, I don't know if it was so much that we regretted. Mm-hmm. I don't think we regretted... Our list, I think we had second thoughts about, like Ira said, the program, the match that had us at separate places. Okay. I think we more so did not expect to match at our number one, so Mm -hmm. we were sort of planning to not. So, let me walk me through the week. So, were you more anxious the Monday when you got the email saying you did match, or we weren't worried about that? Because I know a lot of people said, like, oh, they're so happy to get that email. We were very worried. (laughs) We were were worried about it, but I don't think I was as worried. Okay. Um, So you get the email on Monday saying you did match, but not where. We had 512 options. Okay. All right. So unless there was a computer meltdown. We had to have done... We thought that we had to have done something very, very wrong if we went 512 options down our list. So I think matching on Monday was, like, a little bit of a relief, but... In my illogical brain, there were still more options on our rank list that had us separate mm-hmm. than had us together. Mm. And not knowing where we were on that list, I've, I mm-hmm. like didn't sleep that entire week. My next question: the Friday, the, I mean yeah. the Thursday night before, sleep like babies? Or were you just freaking out? I don't think I slept. Um, yeah, it's a rough week. That <laughs> week is a rough week. A lot of I, emotions. It hit me. Our our match day celebration was at Rice Eccles Stadium, and it like hit me in the elevator as we were going up. So, Antigone is also very involved in student in, government, student and, government, yeah. and whatnot. And so she was getting there early, and I got there early with her to help set up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're walking in, and. Like, we couldn't even, like, look at each other. We're just, like... like it's too stressful. Very stressed. And then it really hit me in the elevator, and I, like, disappeared for an hour and just stood staring out the window okay. blankly at the football field. And it's just like, oh, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, Were you worried that he was going to disappear? No, but uh, then he did. Okay. Because he had been... 
I am definitely the worrier, overreactor, stress ball mm-hmm. of the relationship, and Ira is always like, it's fine, I'm going to go skiing. Um, so <laughs> the whole match week, he had been great, and mm-hmm. like I would cry, I would like walk around my kitchen island just in circles, and he was fine. Mm-hmm. And... Then we went to match day, and I was, like, nauseous, but I was trying to focus on, like, putting up the balloons and doing all of that, and Ira's just gone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, like, he's not answering his phone, and (laughs) I just was like, did he run away? Like, what is happening? I just, I save all the stress for, like, one hour. Okay. And just get it all out. So is your mind, you're just going there, dark thoughts, calamity, catastrophizing. Just, yeah, (laughs) spend it all in that one hour, because I was totally fine all the way before that. But then that one hour is just awful. I'm glad you got out of your system. Yeah. And just, all you need to do is stare at a football field. Apparently, that's your Walden Pond. Nope. Stare at a football field, stare out the other side, look at the windows of the mountains on the other side of the valley. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous. All right, beautiful. All right, so they have the little talks, they cut the ribbon. What did you guys do? Did you get your envelope simultaneously and go back to your families, or how did that unfold? We went and got our bags and went back to our tables with our family. Um, both our families were there. And I, of course, like, ripped mine open and I'm ready. And Ira takes 45 minutes, <laughs> it felt like, to get his envelope open, and then he can't get the thing out, and I'm standing there <laughs> holding mine, waiting, and he can't get it out, and... Then we opened them together. Okay. Um, but there's a video, and we both read ours, and then we both look at each other's <laughs> to make sure that they say the same thing. All right. Yeah. And where are you headed? We're going to the University of Chicago. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank and how did it feel? I was shocked. Oh, like, total disbelief. Yeah. It was one of those... Why were you in disbelief? Um... We really didn't think we would go there. Um, we, I didn't hear from them at all when we applied first, and Ira got an interview, and we called and emailed, and then I got put on the wait list. Mm. And then, for an interview. For an interview, and then I got an interview at the last minute, and so we just didn't think that we were high on their list. But, mm. it, was, but it was absolutely where we wanted to go, like more than any other place. Um, Ira really didn't want to live in a big city, and we're going to a big city. Um, so we were just shocked that we got in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I get the sense it was pretty near the top of your list. It was, it our, was our first choice. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And, and I think the other big part about it was it was, it was our first choice. Mm-hmm. Like, it was something that, again, it fit both of us very, very, very well. And, I mean... As medical students, we're really good at catastrophizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we think about all the things that could happen, the, all the all the contingency plans, all the... Like, like for MedPeds at University of Chicago, there's four spots mm-hmm. total. And they interview about 70 people or so for those four spots. And I think on my interview day, of course, I'm, like, sitting next to someone from Yale and someone from Harvard and all these big-name schools. Hi, muckety-mucks. Yeah. yeah. And I'm That's just my like... my parents would you say. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm like, wow, this is, this is really, um, like, how, how could I be considered when I'm going up against somebody from... A big-name school. Big-name... Schools and I mean I did end up taking 
sort of a comedic approach to it when I was on the interview trail. And every time I'd meet somebody from, like, Yale, they'd come up and say, oh, like, I'd say, oh, where are you from? And they'd be like, Yale. And I'd be like, oh, Yale, I've heard of that school. <laughs> I'm sure they loved that. It was- <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Okay. All right. So you're going to Chicago mm-hmm. together. 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 Same school. Same yep. school. Somewhat same programs. Yeah. Some overlap. Yeah. Have you already gotten your schedules? No. We know parts of it. Okay. But we we actually just came back. We flew out there for three days. Found a place to live. Found a mm-hmm. place to live. Biking distance. Um, yeah. Yep. It's a seven miles straight down the like lakefront path. Wow. There. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, but it's flat there. Mm-hmm. So it's, I used to bike in to school here mm-hmm. and it was like an 800 foot climb mm-hmm. elevation gain just to get into school. And so I was only two miles away, but 800 feet up for those two miles. Whereas there it's seven miles away, but it's dead flat. Mm. Yep. And wedding coming up next few weeks? Yeah, May 12th. So uh, 2018 is turning out to be a banner year for you guys. It's been a crazy it's, year. It's absurd. <laughs> like what, are, what are we doing in like a one week span? So we get married on the 12th. Okay. Uh, we're both presenting at Pediatric Grand Rounds on the 17th. Okay. Then we graduate on the 18th in mm. the morning. And on the 18th in the evening, we leave for Cuba well. for two weeks. We get back from Cuba and four days later, move to Chicago. And Cuba is the honeymoon. Yeah. Or you can do research there. It's our honeymoon. Oh, okay. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, we will be researching Cuban food. Okay. Mm, I hear it's quite yummy and tasty. Mm-hmm. And rum. And rum, And yes. rum. All right. Uh, you guys have been great. Last question for both of you. Let's bring it back to admissions. So looking back, because I know a lot of applicants do a lot of different activities. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they're checking the box or they're going through the motions. What we always advocate is, like, those experiences really help you in medical school and help you prepare for this journey. So looking back... Can you think of an activity you did before you applied to med school that was really made it worth it, that really helped you as you've gone through these four or five years? Hmm. You want to go? So I guess I think that the big thing is, first of all, both Antigone and I did not get into medical school our first time around. Mm -hmm. And while that is so devastating... Mm-hmm. when it initially happens. I think for me, that was one of the best things that could have happened to me. I agree. And because of that, and I took four years from after my initial application to reapply, and and it really was a soul-searching experience where I traveled and I got a, a real job, mm-hmm. in, in air quotes. But it was it was one of those times where I learned that that life isn't an arrow. It's it's a windy path. Mm-hmm. And and it really truly is about the journey, not the destination. And so if you can find a way to enjoy every step of that journey and take something out of it, that's what that's that's the the beauty in it. And that's that's really what helped me in medical school was when I'd walk in to see a patient and be like, oh, yeah, this is very similar to a patient that I saw when I was volunteering in a clinic in Tanzania. Mm. Um, 
and again, not because I went to Tanzania to check the box, but because I actually went on this soul-searching journey mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, Ira. And I think, I truly believe that I wasn't meant to get in my first try. Um, I don't think that I would have enjoyed medical school as much. I don't think, I don't even know if we would be together if it had worked out how it was, quote, supposed to work out. Yeah, because Ira would not have been on those tours or the second look day. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't yeah. have seen me staring yeah. at the wall. Yeah, you wouldn't have had the chance to to stalk me for six months. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, I think I needed that year to figure out who I was and to stop trying to check boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the things that stand out and the things that have helped me in medical school are, like Ira said, things that I didn't do just to check boxes. Um, for me, the most worthwhile thing was working at uni. I think when we think about applying to medical school, we see this vision of a doctor in a really clean white coat and a stethoscope, um, and everything is sort of, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. But working with patients and seeing the team effort that goes into helping a patient and working with nurses and seeing what happens when patients don't want to take their medications and seeing what happens to families who have patients in the hospital and all of the complications that go with that. And for me, working with little kids, I will never forget that. And I will never forget why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I think that's really important to remember when you're studying a million hours a week and when you're taking these board exams that take up all of your life and you're not hanging out with your friends and you feel defeated, you have to remember why you're here and checking boxes is not why you're here, or at least I would hope not why you're here. So for me, it's those times at uni or at the AIDS foundation, taking someone's blood who is really nervous about a test result or telling people about insurance at Planned Parenthood. Like that's part of being a doctor and that's why we're here Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't take any of that back to get in a year earlier and I wanted to add one more thing is that I think that also applies to undergrad classes Mm -hmm. and I think it's really easy to say oh I never have to like I'm studying organic chemistry to get an A in organic chemistry but it's it's relevant it's very relevant. And mm-hmm. if you understand organic chemistry, you're going to understand the pharmacology of the drugs that you learn in medical school. Yep. If you understand one of the best classes that I took in undergrad was a technical writing class. Mm-hmm. And it helped me learn how to not only write things like a CV and um, a, an instruction manual, but it also taught me how to read things in, in a, in that manner, in a, and how to critique things. And and so I think that a lot of the pre-med requirements, they're, they're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And and in the same light of, of enjoying the journey and taking something from those, they they will apply to your future career in medicine. And, and they're there for a reason. That's very beautiful. That's very, very eloquent from both of you. I look forward to one of you replacing one day's because I think you guys are ready. <laughs> well, Antigone, here, Ira, thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for I'm very happy. Yeah, thank you. Uh, with, I'm happy with you guys are going to spend your lives together. You're going to be helping kids and sometimes adults. Um, and Chicago is very fortunate to have you. And I hope you move back one day. Oh, thank, thank you, you very much. Yeah, yeah we're, um, 
feeling very fortunate that that you don't live on the south side of Chicago, maybe during this July when all the interns start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but oh, I think that we're great. I think that we're ready. Yeah. Yes, and we have loved our time here at Utah and appreciate all that everyone has done for us. You guys are great. We'll have to have you come back. You're great. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.